Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right. This is a special segment reporting live from the U.K., Patricia Bright, legend herself. Um, so I got to tell the backstory before we start. So when we were in London for a legendary London run, um, which I'm sure you probably heard about, everybody's heard about 2,500 people who showed up. The rumors are true. That's forever <laughs> going to be in great. Our first London run. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, we was out there and we've done a few different things. And uh, I think it was Dio, right? Yep. Dio? Yep. He was like, yo, I got somebody that I think you should connect with. Um, in the space who's, you know, real big on social media, big on YouTube, da da da, da. And um, we were trying to make the connection happen, but wasn't able to make the connection happen. So then I went to Paris for my birthday. Yeah, you, tell, tell the real story. That's a long story. We <laughs> <laughs> <You> have time. <laughs> went to Paris, and um, it was me, Troy, Abdullah, and Danielle. So Danielle and Troy, they was doing their thing for dinner. So me and Abdullah, we was... We was by ourselves and uh, another one of our friends, Suli, I think it was. Suli was connected in? I think it's somebody, Suli, yeah. Suli, yeah. Shout out to Suli. He was like, yo, I got? I got somebody who's in um, Paris that would be great for you to connect with if you happen to be in Paris. I'm like, yeah, I'm actually in Paris for the night. So um, it was the most random thing ever because I didn't know who I was actually meeting. Yeah. So when we got there, it was Patricia <laughs> and her friend. and. And I'm like, yo, we was just supposed to link up with you in, in London, London yep. two days earlier. So it was the most random, crazy thing ever. And that was, actually, 
Yeah, it, it was my birthday. That night turned was my birthday night. So long story short. She still remembers the time we left. Oh, that was a legendary <laughs> night in Paris. Shout out to Zeus. That was a legendary <laughs> night in Paris. More bottles. So we, we met and we 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 spoke for like hours and um I got a chance to to get to know her and um familiar with her platform and familiar with what she does. So she is a dynamite in the space. She has 1.2 million followers on Instagram, 2.8 million followers on YouTube. Um, she is a brand ambassador. She's a financial literacy expert. She's a fashionista, uh, a variety of different things. Entrepreneur, founder of the Break Social, which is a uh, platform dedicated to business finance, financial literacy. So fast forward to us coming back to London on Halloween to perform at the prestigious Royal Albert Hall. And we're putting together a lineup and I'm like, you know, we got to have some people from the UK on this lineup and who better to have than Patricia. So she will be joining us on Halloween yeah, at the Royal yeah, Albert Hall. Yeah, yeah. And I felt that, you know, since we're coming to London, it would be dope to actually do some content leading up to that with some people that's in the space. So I asked her if she'd be interested in coming on Market Mondays, which is the big show. Um, and she she agreed to it. So this is where we are now. Welcome. Yay. Welcome to Market Monday. That was a long story, Thank but you I for felt having me. I had to be told. It had to be no, told. I love it. I love it. Yes, it's yes. Great. So, all right. So let's get into this. I want to have a conversation about business, social media, investing, different things of that nature. And, and it's very rare that we get to talk to somebody from the UK. I think this is the first time on Market Monday. Yeah. Wow. That we've ever spoken yeah. to. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. EYL, we spoke to a few people um in the past, but Market Mondays, I think this is the first yeah, time. So. Series of episodes, but it's important that the first time be the right time. Yeah. The right person is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> so let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about the business of influencers and how you generate income online because you have a lot of followers, you have a large following, but you know, we always hear the stories of people that have followers and they don't make any money. They don't they don't know how to figure it out. They got millions of followers on TikTok, millions of followers on Instagram, and they're struggling financially. But you've been able to actually turn that into a business. So how have you been able to um, turn social media influencer into a business? And how have you been able to generate income online? Yeah, I mean, so I've been creating online for like 10 years now. So I didn't just start. I didn't start as an influencer. There wasn't really a roadmap or like a specific business model. But what I did know is that there was something in it when I started, because number one, I was able to build an audience and I was able to grow slow and steady. I won't say that I went to millions straight away, 10 years in the game. And then I realized that more and more brands were reaching out. But when I started, I wasn't really that strategic about it because I was also still working a job. So I actually worked in finance, I worked in banking and like my degrees in accounting. So because I had like quite a prestige job, I wasn't that focused on like the online thing as much, but I could see that something was there and more and more brands would like reach out to me to do work. And I think a lot of creators are creating stuff either for free or for clout or not necessarily like aligning it to what kind of brands or companies they want to work with. And in the beginning, I wasn't that strategic. So I was like doing little things here and there, not really knowing what the budgets actually looked like or knowing really what the potential was because there was no, no one was telling you anything when I started. So eventually I think 
I was doing more and more. And I think when I got more publicity and people were more aware of me, and I could just see that there were other people in the industry who seemed to be doing quite well. I was like, what's, what's going on here? So I found out from someone who actually shared to me about basically how much money they were making. And I was shocked because I was making like a tenth of what that person was making, but yeah. we were at the same level. And I think at that point in time, I made the decision to kind of like, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to strategize. I'm going to be very clear about my brand and the brands that I'm aligned to. And then making sure that I, you know, I'm working and getting paid what my value was. So it's just been me creating content, but very strategically to really kind of make sure that I'm getting what I'm worth and just working with the right brands that actually have the income to pay. So some people might make content in say, a category that is, let's say dog food, like you, your dogs are getting a ton of content and they get loads of views. But if brands that are aligned to dogs don't have any budget, then you can have all the views in the world, but you're mm. not going to actually be able to make any money. So I'm aligned to the beauty industry and the fashion, the beauty industry specifically because they have resources and they pay a lot for um, creators who are in beauty. Fashion does not pay as much. So I balance the amount of fashion content I make. Again, I'm also in the finance industry because it's something that I'm really interested in. I love, and I'm, you know, I have an accounting degree and worked in finance for seven years. So then now brands love someone like me who's able to talk on these um, subject matters with conviction and knowledge. And so then I'm also able to monetize with those brands who also have big budgets as well. So that's yeah. a little bit about how I've kind of worked through this to make money. That's a lot of games. So in, in that strategizing, how did you come up with the actual brands that you were going to target to say, all right, these are the ones that have the budget. I'm aligning with them. Like, was there a database or was like some type of search that you did to find them? Or you was like, I'm yeah. just going to trial and error this thing. Listen, there was no, there's no benchmark. There was no, I didn't know what an agency was, an advertising agency. I didn't know the difference between a PR agency. I didn't know who was big, who was not big. So I think, again, it's this game of trial and error. And also it's about knowing the names as well. So now if say, a company like Hill and Knowlton come over. I know that they manage P&G brands. P&G brands are a billion dollar company. So I know they're the ones I'm going to talk to. If it's some small agency with some random person and some new brand that doesn't have any budget, I, I won't necessarily talk to them as much depending on what the product is. But it's taken me a while to just understand like what who's a mover and shaker in the industry, in the marketing agencies um, to really get those connections. Um, but also you may, I've made assumptions that somebody or an email wasn't that important at one point in time mm -hmm. and actually securing massive deals um, because I had no idea who that person was and they were actually someone very valuable. So it's still important to kind of be open to everyone. Mm -hmm. So if you had to start over, let's say in 2023, you had mm -hmm. no followers and I'm not wishing that. So we're going to pray to God. You only 10 X from here. But if you had to mm -hmm. start over in 2023 and had to grow your following back to the millions, what are like the four or five steps you would take to get there in this new digital environment? So I would focus on a target group that I want to like talk to. Am I talking to young mums? Am I talking to older mums? Am I talking to black women? Am I talking to, you know, 
men who are really into boxing or boxing shoes. So I would really niche down like the category of people that I'm wanting to talk, talk to and I'd make them my go-to group. And then I would think about how to make content that's super entertaining by bringing stuff that is current. I can't even give an explanation of how I would do it, but like if something was happening now, so something viral happening or something's happening in the news, I would like make sure I make content around that but align it to my group as well. So mm. the people, so these young mums are interested in what's happening with the government, not that they are, but how does that relate to them? So I would kind of um, mesh my niche with what's trending as well. And I was saying this earlier, for me, I think the game really is about volume. So literally being present on every single platform all the time. Like okay. there is no, there's no time to breathe. Like, you're not, if you want to start from zero, there's no time to breathe for two years f straight. Like don't do mm -hmm. anything else, but make content. It, what you said is actually, um, that's what we did as far as the whole original mission statement for Earn Your Leisure was to blend pop culture with business. So we take a traditional subject matter like business, but then we, we, we still do, but especially back then we were using the most trending popular things in our culture. So we would talk yeah. about like, even before Earn Your Leisure, like breaking down 50 cents vitamin water deal, like breaking it down and making it, you know, talking about Beyonce, like, you know, when she talked about like, you know, pay me in equity, stuff like that. So like we would take like different stuff, George Foreman's grill, the the deal structure with that. So things that were um, popular and people were already familiar with in pop culture, but then shifting yeah. it and drilling it down to our our niche, which was, you yeah. know, business and, and dissecting the deal. So that's something that we actually has done and we still do to this day even when yeah. monday is like even every monday there's some some new pop culture topic that happens yeah. like kanye it, yeah kanye gonna pretty much do something every single week <laughs> he's yeah. Elon. yeah elon Ooh, elon yeah. and kanye yeah elon and kanye yeah. they're gonna do something every single week so that's that's yeah. a very valuable gem that you just provided um let me ask you this as they far call as it audience hacking as well so it's like specifically hacking into the audience of people looking for say the beyonce content and then they find you interesting that's, okay that's a way especially on youtube um because like if you put it in a title um search engines or hashtags on instagram you you know when people are search searching something like right now people are searching kanye kanye west white lives matter that's trending it's a trending yeah. topic mm -hmm. right so it's like all right if you yeah. find a way to kind of flip that and let's say that we did some content around that but it's based around the business of fashion week and how he actually disrupted the whole fashion industry by doing that and how much money he made and how much money other shows lost but the general arcing is the white lives matter but we're not spending too much time on that but it's not like yeah. it's, it's not like complete clickbait because it is yeah. about that but it's about something else. So that's definitely a valuable strategy for anybody that's creating content for sure. Um, let me ask you this. You said something that was interesting. You said that um, the beauty brands, they pay a lot more than fashion brands. So you focus more your energy on that. So mm -hmm. what are some of the best practices with working with brands? Like, like you said before, when you first started, you didn't know. So what do you know now that you didn't know? Like, what do you ask for? Do you ask for the budget? Do you ask, um, okay, um, what are my requirements? Do you ask, okay, I'm going to do a social media post and I'm going to do one post on my IG story? Like, what are some things that now you're seasoned that you know how to talk to corporate brands and, and kind of know what to expect going into it? Yeah, I mean, okay, so stage one is 
one attracting them so how do you make yourself appealing to the brand so there's an element of using their product talking about their product having really high visuals or really high engagement already that way they're gonna find what you do and you may even tag them with um tag them in your content before they ever reach out to you to do mm -hmm. content so number one you've attracted them they now would email you in the first instance there's often a case of would love to send you product would love to meet up for coffee a lot of them want to meet up in person just to get an idea of who you are so i think that's still a very important thing to do and the next phase is either working directly with them yourself or working through management people do have their own you know thoughts around that but for me i'm at the place where i still work with brands very directly and usually they will give me a brief i wouldn't do anything without a brief because i want to know what do you want do you want engagement do you want sales do you want awareness give me an idea of what you want um, and what's the product and then off the back of that we would then negotiate but usually they will have what they want they'll say we want one stories two two tiktoks or one youtube video and here's our budget so i can either agree to the budget like the budget or i can say you know guys this is actually my rate card um can you meet up with my rate card and then we will kind of you know negotiate and work out what i can do with the deliverables and i have to think about how much time i'm going to invest into the work as well as the value of my audience as well so you said something about putting content out content out all the time for two years we can't blink so i wanted to talk about the the multi platform strategy right because obviously you have 1.2 million instagram followers 2.8 million youtubers so is the content being specifically made for each platform or is it just like all right i made the content uh for youtube i made this content for instagram maybe i made this content for TikTok. and if that is the strategy wh which is the best platform that we should be living on I don't know if there's a best platform and um, content is very hard. Like I'm sure you guys know to be able to produce like at volume at scale is a very difficult. So I love the idea of repurposing. So say you have, you know, you've got this one piece of content or someone films one piece once a week, one YouTube video, and then they then chop it up to work on all the other platforms as well. There are ways that you can upload one piece of content into certain websites and they can produce a transcript for you. They can provide the text version and they can provide a caption ver version as well. Mm. So I would make one piece and then cut that one piece into like five different pieces, uh, including text. And then I would put that on all the different platforms. And then if I have time, I'll then make original pieces of content to go onto other platforms as well. But I think YouTube is like, the number one spot, like first, like there, there is where you can actually build depth of audience and people who genuinely care about the brand long term. Perfect. Uh, what are two platforms that you think that people are not posting on enough? And if they did, it will allow the brand to have like a lot higher following and traction. It really does vary because there was a time where brands were all working on Snapchat. So they're like, in briefs, I was getting snap, Snapchat briefs yeah. and they were like, we'll pay you this. They're, they're not doing Snapchat briefs anymore. They said, we like Snapchat isn't a goal or a target for us anymore. I remember getting that email. So I could have chosen to stop uploading on Snapchat, but there is still audiences and people on Snapchat. So it's all about the balance. Like, do you want audience or do you want brand attention? So 
I think most social media managers for any company is kind of being aware of all the platforms, but then internally they will have their own directive um, of what's important to them. So fundamentally, again, be on all platforms, get as many eyes on your content as you can. Um, but I know that's hard. So maybe focus on just two. Um, let me ask you this credit. Let's talk about some finance stuff. Uh, <clears throat> You know, the credit system is, is different on the UK than it is in America. So what are some of the biggest mistakes? Um, let's talk about the UK side. What are some of the biggest mistakes on the U- in the UK that people make that you see uh, when it comes to credit? I mean, is it that different? I don't know if it's really that different from the well, US. I think they, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, like credit cards, like you have the same access to credit cards that we do in America? Yeah. Yeah. More or less, but I think there's a little bit more protection. So over over there, it's more protection. Like, it's more protection in the UK, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more protection in the UK in that um, young younger people often um, there's more regulation about who can have credits advertised to them. Mm. So there is some kind of security for people who are younger and impressionable um, who won't necessarily be able to get access to credit earlier. And I think as well, they do a lot more checks before they give people credit. But again, sometimes the credit system can be quite predatory as well. And they will kind of um, attract people who are less informed about how to use credit i think that problem is like a global problem though america might be the worst for it <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> appreciate oh, sorry guys because <laughs> i remember cause, i mean because even even years ago i remember when the uk was the first one to really ban buying crypto on credit because you used to be able to buy coinbase you used yeah. to be able to buy cryptocurrency on credit card and i remember um the uk was like the first country to stop that and the America was still allowing it for a long time, but the UK has stopped it earlier. So I feel like there's more safeguards and more, you know, yeah. regulations. Consumer protections, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more re- regulation. It's around advertising, around credit, around, I think fundamentally the country wants to protect people from making financial financially risky decisions. Now, risk isn't always a bad thing, but again, it's a bad thing to people who are uninformed. So I think, yeah, there's more regulation around that when it comes to credit and credit and crypto. I did not know you could get crypto on credit. Yeah. yeah. yeah I can see why that would be bad. So what are some of your tips for credit just in general? I mean, in general, it's one, having credit. So this is the mistake that I've made in the past. And I've seen some people who are from more conservative backgrounds. So actually, like lots of us are from, you know, immigrant families. And so our immigrant families often told us, don't get credit. Credit is very bad. Don't borrow money. It's not your money. So actually, a lot of us lacked having any credit. That was a big problem. So even for myself, I think I had money. I had a job. I was consistent. And I remember when I wanted to get my first mortgage, I didn't have any credit. I had no credit history whatsoever. So I think people actually building a credit history when they're younger is really important and to like know how to build good credit is is something that a lot of people need to focus on here and that not all credit is necessarily bad but you just need to be careful with it yeah so obviously you've built the following you're able to to monetize and align with brands but one of the things you said in our conversations that you were able to save 
And so I wonder where that, that financial discipline came from. What are some of the strategies that you use to save and budget? Because a lot of people want to invest, but they don't have the money to do it, right? And sometimes you have yeah. to figure out, what am I going to do with my money? Am I going to save? Am I going to invest? Am I going to spend it? And so how, how did you come up with your strategy? Um, what was my strategy? I mean, I've been very broke. Like, <laughs> I know what it is to not have a lot. So I think I'm naturally an extremely cautious person. And just because the, the money is rolling in, like now, like you just never know what could happen next, which is a mindset I also tr still try to like fight against. But I also think that's a good thing. I'm glad that I had that level of let me be careful with my money. And I also had some tax issues as well, like when I, would, when I first started my career and ended up owing the government money. And I remember like realizing that I, had, I didn't have enough savings to pay the government this tax, this tax thing that I had to pay them. And so after that, I was always like, I'm always going to make sure I have money aside to pay anything that comes up. So I think I was just raised to kind of save. I've struggled enough to know that you need to have some protection. And then stuff happened that made me learn I need to have money on the side. Yeah. You have the nest egg. Um, how much of your gross revenue or gross income are you putting aside? Because I think entrepreneurs need to hear that part. And also, can you tell us about how you are actively like living below your means and why that's important to you? I mean, it's all relative. I think I put most of my money aside. Like I don't really spend that much money. Um, I think that right. I use my corporation to spend, right? So everything is a business expense besides my home and my mortgage and my kids schooling. Um, so I try and align all of my spending to only things that my business needs and like just some personal fun things here and there, but it's really not a, a huge ratio based on how much I earn. Cause my main desire for most of my income is basically to invest it. Like I'm just want to keep buying houses. So that's the thing that I enjoy. And I bought bags. I bought premium bags in the past, you know, you know, Hermes and all that jazz. And I'm like, mm, this is fun, but I'd rather have like something that's got bricks and mortars. Like, yeah. yeah. Life is good when you can say Hermes and jazz. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> He's appreciating that. Yeah. I mean, I've got all of that. I've got, I've had the vibes. Like, I don't know. I think you get to a place where you're like, mm, this is great. This is cute. But it's like still stuff. Like, it's still material yeah. stuff. So for me, like it doesn't entice me as much as seeing other things grow. But I think that's just where my head is at. But again, I've always loved, it's always important to like enjoy yourself by certain things that you, that give you, you know, that feeling. Um, but for me personally, it's not a prioritization because there's still things and goals that I have that I want to do. So let's talk about the real estate. Uh, I know you just bought a properly on, on auction. Um, can you yeah. talk about that process and like, kind of like walk us through it for anybody in the UK that might be interested in kind of, you know, taking that route? Yeah. So auctions are like fabulous. I love a good auction. Um, I bought a house previously on auction and that has really grown, gone up probably double in value and then um the process is fundamentally going on to right move which is similar to you guys have zillow um same thing and you will see that auction houses are are 
on site, but you can't really search specifically auction houses. Um, but what I found is that most agents have kind of an auction arm. So once you like quite start to learn who these different auctioneers are, you'll know that one day a month they have an auction and they put their lots up probably a week before, a week to two weeks before that lot's going to happen. So you can actually sign up to all of the different auction websites, look at all of the different lots and then look at what homes you may want to be able to buy. The one thing I've noticed is that their list prices are very fake. So they might list the house for a hundred thousand pounds. Like you're like, what? You can buy a two bedroom house for a hundred thousand pounds. That house is going to go for 250 minimum. So I, I think that people should just be aware that the bargains that they think they're going to get at auction aren't necessarily always a bargain. So again, doing the maths and the calculations beforehand is very important. Yeah. When you said about uh, every time you get cash, you're looking to buy new real estate. I wonder what type of uh, homes are you looking for? Is it like a single family lot or is it two family? Like what is your, your method when you're trying to find a new home? So I look at my existing portfolio and I think about what I do have and what I don't have. So I have a four bedroom family house already in one specific part of London, right? So I don't want another house next door. That's exactly the same because actually it's too similar. Like it, it's the same thing. So then I then buy, I'll buy another two bedroom house, which maybe is better for students. And um, that is in near a university location or I might purchase a home that's more premium in the city that I want to target city workers in, or I want to buy somewhere that's more lower income so I can provide um, more affordable housing for maybe people who are on government housing. So in my portfolio, I have a mixture of like different homes that, um, that provide different values in different locations as well. That's fascinating. Um, earlier when you were talking about the advertising agency side, are you actively reaching out to the ad agencies to try and get the deals done? Or are you just researching them to understand like the supply chain and how the money is being dispersed to influencers? I'll be really honest with you. Personally, I have not had to reach out for any work that I've ever done. So I am That's very incredible. lucky that yeah, like I've been very lucky that like everything I have is inbound request. Um, I haven't had the capacity to go out and necessarily pitch myself. But I think what's been valuable is that I've had a lot of PR. So in terms of and not paid for PR, my PR has been all organic in that the features I've had are because people have seen my work and my work has spoken for like my value. However, I think that pitching is a really important thing to do if someone is really like, you know, they're new and nobody knows who they are. I think going out there, introducing yourself, letting people know what you can do is a super important thing to do. There are some websites that allow you to find certain people's contacts in PR, the PR industry. I cannot for the life of me remember what that is. But again, people can look for some of these places to find email addresses for PR. And LinkedIn's a great place as well. LinkedIn, very important platform. So um, where, where's your family from originally? Is it Nigeria? Nigeria, yeah. Okay, so um, so the UK is interesting. If I could just talk about the dynamics of that for a little bit with you. So in America, I think black people make up like 16% of the population. Uh, but in the UK, it's like 2% of the population. But another... 2%. 2%. Yeah. <laughs> 
but but another another thing about the about it that's interesting is that in America, like we have a lot of immigrants, like Troy's family, they're from Jamaica, but like I think Ian and myself as well, like we African American different names, however you want to call it, but off like we've been here, so it's not necessarily immigrants, like we're like part of the founding actual foundation of America. Whereas yeah. in the UK they don't have that, right? Like every black person that's there is an immigrant for, at most mm. point. So it's like the financial literacy is even harder because they're not only at a disadvantage because they're even a smaller part of the population, but they're first gen, everybody's first generation or second generation. Like every single person is coming from a country like Ghana or Nigeria or Jamaica. So you you have a lot of challenges. So talk about the 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 landscape for black people in in the UK cuz a lot of people don't even know that there is a black population in London or the UK. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy yeah. because a lot of people are just not educated enough cuz they don't travel. So talk about the landscape, the challenges that you face and why financial literacy is so important for the black community in in the UK. Yeah, this is a, a big a, like a really big thing um in that yes, we are a very small population and immigrants who come over are usually like the parents are cleaners the parents are low income jobs the majority of them so some of them come over as students and maybe they're super educated back home but they come here and they can literally only be a security guard not that there's anything wrong with that but they don't necessarily have those jobs in really high positions so I think the the key thing I've noticed with all the Africans that have come over that I know personally, first generation, the thing that their parents pressurize them on is education, 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 go to school, read your books. And that's the only way to kind of, kind of get out of the concept of poverty. So the pressure is very much on the younger generation or, you know, my generation to be like, to be successful because the parents are relying on the children to kind of do that. Mm. However, the parents have no assets, they own no homes, they own no land, and they they don't always understand the system. So that's one of the biggest challenges is if you know how to operate in the system, you can do well, you know how to get a mortgage, you know, you have a connect here, you have a connect there, someone sorts you out and gets your kids a job, which is what happens with the you know the english people who are from here all the time but immigrants are literally start start, starting from zero um but i in a good way i think it means that when we are successful we're extremely successful and we've just had to like force that literacy and force that understanding and focus on our education to really be successful um but it isn't easy i'm not gonna lie it isn't easy for the immigrants here and for the second generation so people whose parents were born here you also usually notice um things being a little bit better for them. So again, I'm thinking third and fourth generations here are going to be in a lot better um, situations, I would hope. Yeah, shout out to Brixton. Shout out to all my Jamaicans out there. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're out here. Yeah, so we we ran into each other in LA and um, it was like randomly, we're in the elevator. I'm like, wait, what are you doing here? And you're like, I I, I just came from Fiji. And so it got me to wonder. I'm like, can live you a life. Yeah, I mean, live a life. Fiji, right? Hermes, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you just have to so yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just a stopover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, on my way back to London, but I, I was wondering, like, because a lot of people don't understand even that type of connection with brands. Is like, oh, wait, you can actually use 
your following to actually benefit you for traveling. And so can you talk mm -hmm. about that and how that can help you in your journeys? Yeah, I mean, so there's there's different ways it works. So number one, I've worked with tourism boards. So there are countries that want people to come and visit the country. So they would like they'll pay you to come out there and take con content of the country. So I recently went to Abu Dhabi. I've worked with you know some Caribbean islands. I've worked with even Switzerland, and we've gone out there. So they literally want the world to know about their country as a place to come to, um, which is what used to happen to Dubai a lot. Dubai used to pay a lot of people yeah. to come to Dubai. I was paid grand a, nice amount. To come, yes. <laughs> a lot to come to, not by any man or anything like yeah. that. No, the tourism board itself of the country was like, please come and experience Dubai because we want the world to know. And now the majority of the income from Dubai actually comes from tourism and obviously, you know, oil and all that jazz. And then there's the other side of brands often want to create experiences around their products or their launches. So say for instance, I went to Fiji, that was a brand who had something in association with World Ocean Day and some of their ingredients come from Fiji. So they say, everyone, let's go to Fiji and have an immersive session about the product. So usually they often bring people who are fans of the brand, fans of the product, or at least going to inform people about the product. So I'm kind of there like a journalist and also journalists for many years have been living the good life. Like mm. journalists, from traditional media, they've been doing this. They stayed at the finest hotels. They've stayed at, they've traveled the world on the dime of other companies, but now actually online creators are the new journalists because we are fundamentally bringing the message of the brand and the product out to our communities. So that's how I traveled the world. Yeah. yeah. You, you become a, a virtual uh, postcard, right? Because it's like rather than getting a brochure for a country, you can go social media and see 10,000 pictures of the same place and now it becomes super attractive. So great strategy. Exactly. Yeah. I know you haven't had to reach out for it, but for a person who wants to have brands pay for their travel and, and to visit, um, what are the best practices to be able to reach out and begin to have those deals come in for them? So I think number one is to kind of find out who the travel, say for travel specifically, you'd want to reach out to travel PR agencies. So there's agencies that are focused on tech or travel or beauty or fashion. So finding out who those travel PR agencies are, meeting up, connecting with them, doing a media pack, showing what you've done in the past and showing what you could create for a brand. Um, and then having them keep you in mind is super important. You can also reach out to hotels as well. So um, a lot of hotels um, actually are building, say Four Seasons may build a new hotel in the Seychelles that people aren't aware of. So if you were to find out about the news about that, you could reach out to the Four Seasons say, I'd love to do some publicity for you guys. Here's what I can create. Obviously, you'd email their marketing or their PR team, show them what you can do, and they may host you for four nights to kind of um, create content for, for them and market to the brand. And actually, a lot of these companies, they already spend money on like a photographer and a marketing team. They may have budget that they put, you know, 20 grand aside to do that. But actually you're like, no, I'll do it for you, but just let me enjoy the experience. Um, they probably won't have a problem with that. Yeah. When I went to SLS Bahamas, 
I feel like half the everyone that stayed there was like taking contact. I'm like, what is going on? They're like, oh, yeah. you paid to be here? I felt like the only idiot. I'm like, <laughs> tell me who the I hell is I'm, like, I'm like, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. I try not to tell everyone where when I'm at the hotel, I don't tell them I'm there for free because no, <laughs> not everyone wants to know that. Yeah. It's one of these things, uh, going back to the tourism thing, and that's interesting that you said it about Dubai, because I actually pitched this to a few African countries. I won't say the names of the countries, but they didn't, they didn't get it. And I'm like, my thing is like, you should pay for Earn Your Leisure, Market Monday. You should pay for us to come to your country because it's, um, it's, it's good PR. It's tourism. And we do that anyway. Like when we go to Nigeria, we went to Nigeria, we went to Egypt. We're going to put content up anyway because we're there. So now it's appealing and it gives people a whole different view of the country and it makes people want to go. That's why Dubai became so popular because everybody went, everybody was posting pictures. The one country that does understand that that's getting it is Ghana. Yeah. And that's yeah. why you see Ghana's economy thriving the way it is, is because, you know, yeah. they've, they've targeted specifically black Americans. So it's become a travel destination for black Americans. They did the year of the return. They're doing, they're doing, return, all, yeah. they're doing all of that. And it's a, it's a strategic PR targeting campaign for tourism, black tourism specifically. And it makes sense. And I just, I don't understand why other countries haven't really adopted that, but I feel like for the countries, anybody that's listening, that is that makes tremendous sense to because this is a way that is going to give your country good PR. This is a way that's going to highlight your country, and this is a way that's going to drive millions and billions of dollars in tourism and business yeah. and investment to your country because social media is the window of the world. Bahamas, 100%. Caribbean islands, Mexico, Australia, please call. there's a lot of caribbean islands who are getting into it now there's a few that have reached out so fingers crossed like i'm seeing a lot more happen in the caribbean so and they've got beautiful islands that can we do a collab potentially yeah we'll try and hook something up (laughs) yeah you gotta let us know because honestly i feel like at this point you shouldn't really be paying for anything and that's why i told i think i told abdullah that like going forward try not to pay for anything like if we go to eat if we go out to eat we should sponsor they somebody should sponsor the dinner. If we're gonna be in a club anyway, as you know, what we that legendary night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might as well just put us on a flyer and we'll just po- po- promote the party and you know and pack it out. It's a balance though. It's a balance because once everything's free, like it loses the pizzazz. Cause I even like I go on trips that nobody knows about and I pay for entirely because the pressure of always creating on the trip is also long. Like I actually want to enjoy myself and that like, I don't want to always be on. So it's always about like, I go for those trips that I see them as this is a work trip. When I go to Switzerland and I'm working with the hotel brand, that was a work trip. But then there's other things that are like, this is my trip where I don't necessarily need to commercialize that part of my life. See my whole, have- my whole life is commercial. So it's, Everything I do is like everything, man. Nah, they, they, some things they can't see. Uh, Patricia, can you talk about that process of, of, of documenting it all? Because, I mean, obviously, you said sometimes there's a videographer, but a lot of times there isn't. So you can talk about that, like who's shooting the content. Because, like I said, when I would look at your page, it's like I want to go to these places. It just looks incredible. You make it look incredible. So talk about the, the process of documenting. 
Yeah, I mean, so I try to, number one, I have a tripod, so I can always make content wherever I am. Like, I will just put my tripod down and, you know, stand in the street if I need to. I have no, like, I'm never embarrassed because this is what I do and I make good money doing it. Um, And then I'll have, like, either a photographer with me or my assistant with me who is able to capture content on the phone um, all the time. And yes, I've got, like, professional cameras. I've got the 5D. I've got the $1,000 lenses i've got all of that but often i don't need to use that as much because actually people don't necessarily connect with it in the same way i might do that actually more to appeal to the brands or the companies to show them i can do the professional stuff um but people don't really connect with that and then certain shoots and stuff maybe i hire a production company maybe the brand or company that i work with or the the tourism company or whatever maybe they bring their own photographer and stuff but i think the concept of just as long as you've got your phone you have the opportunity to create like you don't need to wait for this team or this person or this specific photographer like not really i just can create with my phone with me anytime yeah i hope i hope everybody out there just heard that like that's a valuable lesson like, <laughs> you, if you got your phone you can create for context yeah. and i'll ask both of you patricia troy rashad how many pieces of content are you creating per month because everyone thinks everything's all fun just traveling the world and it's like you guys aren't working but can you for demonstrative purposes or context how many pieces of content are you guys both creating for your brand per month the real number the the soul crushing number uh how many days in a month i would say for for us so variety of different things um and of course we do earn your leisure episodes every single week so that's probably like 20 different clips that come from that uh market mondays every single week 20 different clips that come from that um but then just organic cell phone like if i'm out and i had troy actually video he he didn't want to do it but that's not true i had him videotape (laughs) me the other day like because like you said yeah everybody's a videographer all you need to do is hold the cell phone like i would tell him like like yo just hold this phone and just take a video of me having a conversation with bobby schmurder yep two hundred thousand views yeah. that's all it's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. complicated we don't have to complicate this so they do that almost all the time everywhere that we go take pictures um stuff for story so i would say probably upwards of two three hundred yeah a couple hundred probably a couple hundred but definitely there's also a valuable lesson in that too and it he, he left out the part that my, my i have a back issue that's why i couldn't get out the car but like most times most people are like yo too prideful to take that mike right? flip like, that face up yeah that's a fact so like there's there's no there's no pride in me saying like yo let me take this video for you because i already know if he sees a vision let me record it right because mm-hmm. i know that it's going to benefit the brand it's not like yo i'm too good for that like yo bro why do i got to take your video it's like nah i know like that's what he loves to do like if he can't record it himself let me be here i'm here what else am i going to be doing like i'm going to watch him record it so like helping add value in any way possible and putting like pride to the side like all right this is going to be something that's going to be potentially viral or it's going to help build his brand so like a lot of times like even some pictures like i'll take it's not like yo give me photo credit i'm like nah that's going to help build if, if he wants to show his drip like of course let me make sure that i, I take a dope ass picture like i've told that to plenty of people like yo i, I love photography so like if i get to shoot if he gets to be the product let's do it the trip yeah. report has been legendary you know about trip report patricia you have become a fashion icon how come you didn't come to fashion week we did a fashion week show in new york oh uh, what did you where oh in new york 
Oh, I didn't. I wasn't. I couldn't be she was in the Maldives. But next time, next time I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. To I was be in fair, Bora, like, Bora, Rashad. What are you talking about? I was in Bora Bora. You kidding me? I don't know where I was. I'm not going to lie. I was quiet this season, but next time I'll be there. But in terms of like, it, again, everything is content. I would make content every day. And I think about content every day. And at least I produce probably at least like 30 pieces a month. That's my number. And I do this basically with myself and like my assistant. There's no excuse. iPhone Pro Max, you, okay. the small cameras. Like uh, every time I see Troy, Troy's like, pan here. Like you have to create. Um, for those of you watching the show, you know I wasn't always comfortable being in front of the camera. But if you don't show your face, how are you gonna be able to make money and get clients? So my dad was like, okay, you want to work with headphones and not show your face? Good luck. <laughs> you pick, overcome your fears, get out more content, and I think we can all say there's people that are maybe not even that good, but they just put out more content than everyone. And over the last five, six years, they've been able to elevate. So for everyone listening, put in chat the number of pieces of content you're going to make for your brand per month. I think you need to do at least a, a hundred to, to get some kind of traction. And I think people don't put out as much content because they, they, um, they're self-conscious. Mm -hmm. They um, think what other people are going to think of them. They put it out and it's not, it doesn't necessarily work right away and they just retreat. But you just got to treat it like baseball. Like, you know, just keep swinging, keep swinging, keep swinging. Eventually, you're going to hit a home run eventually. But you can't worry about what somebody else is thinking. You can't worry about how you look. You can't worry about, you know, you're going to get better. The way you talk, everything improves yeah. over the course of time. But yeah. I think that that stops a lot of people from putting out content. They're so self-conscious. And that stopped me for a variety of years. Like, I've been wanting to do what we do now in 2014. but mm. I'm like, who care? Who's gonna care? Financial literacy, da, da da da. And then finally, when I'm like, ah, right, you know what? It doesn't matter. Let's just do it, and it worked. So mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, that's something that a lot of people struggle with, and you just have to just get out of your own way and do it because ultimately, it's better to live with failure than to live with regret. Because if it doesn't work out, it just doesn't work out. But if you never knew. If you never know what's going to happen, you're always going to like think about what if, what if I did yeah. this? How would my life be different? How would my children's lives be different? And, you know, living with regret is, is a very painful situation. Patricia, before we wrap, let me let me ask you this. Um, Royal Albert Hall, mm. can you talk about the significance of, <laughs> of financial literacy? Did you ever think that, you know, financial literacy and, and the way that we display it? That's why I say a performance, because it is a performance. Like, you know, we did Invest Fest, we do we're doing Madison Square Garden. And our whole thing with financial literacy is to make it a vibe. So we add music, we add, you know, it's a it's live performances, it's vibes, it's surprises. So it's really like, you know, a musical festival. Um, but it's but it's financial literacy. And um, it's not something that I like America, I think, has gotten used to it now because we we we've done a few things in America and they kind of know. But internationally, I'm still not really sure if, if they understand the vibe, you know, because I, especially UK, I know the UK is a more conservative country than America. So. Very conservative. Talk, <laughs> talk about the wave and, and, and the excitement and the importance of on African-American history. I mean, on Black History Month, Black History Month for the UK, um, on Halloween, uh, you know, financial literacy, Royal Albert Hall, all black cast of of performers. Talk about the significance of that. 
Well, firstly, the fact that you lot have the Royal Albert Hall, right, is li- like, it's actually mind blowing. Like the, the Queen goes there, they, Adele's been there. Like that is like probably the most premium venue in the UK. So when you said that to me, I was like, Royal Albert <laughs> Hall. Like I was so shocked because literally the Royal, as in it's, I think it's the Royals own this or something. Yeah. I don't know, mm. but like it's a big thing. So the fact that you're able to kind of actually kind of create that momentum is really powerful. I think Brits, right? We can be a little bit stiff. We're a little bit like, who's that? Why are they like that? <laughs> we can be a bit judgy. I'm not going to lie. We're a bit, there's a, a pride and, there was that African pride coming in as well. So we can, you know, can have a certain stiffness about us. But I think that people, one, they want this information. They need this information. And I think they would be so excited to take it from you guys who are actually making a move in the US, bringing that energy over, which is going to have a lot of flair, I assume. It's going to be, <laughs> lots going to be going on. The and they're going to be, they're going to be a bit stush. You know, do you know what it is to be stush? <laughs> no, no, yeah, tell me. In the beginning, stush. right? They're going to have a bit, yeah, yeah. but they're, they're taking it in. And I think that, them seeing these examples is going to be super powerful um, where people can learn more about how to get together to like um, bring the community together to make money and to build that literacy and build things together, which I'll be honest in the black community in the UK is not something we do as much. Like we don't really create these black things together. Everyone is usually working in isolation. They've got their job. They've, you know, they've become the lawyer or they've become the doctor. Like they've done that. But what if they unionized? What if they learned how to work together? What if they worked with their their African-American counterparts to actually build something that actually has momentum? I think that there's power in numbers. So the fact that you guys are coming is like, it's sick. It's great. Don't be legendary. Yeah, you, you will be there as well. <laughs> there you have I'll be it. there as well. Find <laughs> the, the flag. <laughs> yes, go to the link on the description of this bio. Get your ticket. Go to earnyleisure.com. Hit the InvestFest Euro tab. Go to investfest.com, investfesteuro.com. Get your tickets. It's going to be not even just a night to remember, a weekend to remember. We got a Halloween party. Shout out to Terrence J. We got a VIP experience on Sunday. So it's going to be so, so much vibes. And as you said, um, bring your umbrellas. Because it's it's a it's a hundred it's, it's usually rainy in London, but it's a hundred percent chance that a no tsunami question. of drip no question displayed. It's a hundred not even a question. It's a hundred percent chance like that, that, that a tsunami yeah. of that was drip well will be on full display for the whole entire week. Like they've never seen before. <laughs> yeah. Like you've never wow. it, it's it's a fitting way to end <laughs> black. History Month. Yes. In the UK. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's only. I bad. really thought you were talking about actual rain because people but should actually. I did too. Umbrellas. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It does actually well rain a lot here. It's, it's yeah. gonna rain. Yeah. Now the yeah, yeah, you have to bring your London rain. fogs out. <laughs> bring the umbrellas out. Bring the rain boots. But um, that's when I brainstorm. But the tri- <laughs> but the trip, the drip will come out regardless because London's a fashion town too. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, their casual Trade. stuff is like. Amazing. <laughs> I was walking around like this is your gym gear. Like I thought they were going out. Listen, for everyone in America, bring your best. Like I was going through, I was in the airport yesterday in the lounge, went through a whole bunch of lookbooks, picked out 14, 15 outfits. <laughs> Serious. It is no joke. It is oh, we're no, not joke. Gonna, no joke, and we're not we're not playing no games. We can't we yeah. We come to represent. And shout out to our London crew. Shout out to Dayu. Shout out to Tape London. Shout out to yep. we developed a real strong relationships with a lot of people in London. And um, 
I'm I'm excited for the Americans because there's a lot of Americans that's coming out there too. I'm excited to Americans. A lot of them this this is their first time yep. coming to the UK, coming to London. Mm-hmm. So it's dope that they're coming like for us, and it's it bec- it's become a tourist. Um, and London is, is such a beautiful city. Like, yeah, movies don't do it justice. I was in awe of like. The architecture, like you can see where Beverly Hills got the inspiration to like design the city like that. You guys are going to have a great time, but I'm telling you, bring your best. Yeah. It, it has a, a nice mixture of like, it looks historic, but it has its modern pieces. And so, it, yeah, I, that was my first time going. And the February. service was amazing. Like I had a it was great. cup and I was about to throw <laughs> it away. The girl at the hotel was like, let me take this rubbish from you. I'm like, what, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> We're very polite. That's our yes. thing. Don't forget about Lobby the boys. Don't forget about Lobby the boys. We boys. we set a record. We set a record. Lobby boys. We went out <laughs> seven nights in a row. Y'all <laughs> went out seven. I went out four. <laughs> <in this> one. <laughs> one date to help Troy in the morning. The oh, nightlife in London. Tired. Oh, if you go to London, <laughs> I highly suggest that you take the train to Paris. Also, got to do it. Two hour train ride to Paris. Paris is another yeah. another world class city. Dope. Dope, yeah. dope city. And that's even a dope experience, just getting on the train and going to a different country. Fly, fly, fly. Sleep on the train. Don't worry about that. Go out at night, sleep on the train, and then you can party all day. Patricia, before we leave, can can you can you say earn your can you say earn your leisure? Earn your leisure is what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be like the Maybach music drop. Like I love yeah. British yeah. accent. I love the British, British accent. Earn your leisure. Earn your leisure. <laughs> <laughs> and now. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and now I can't say leisure, but leisure just doesn't feel like how leisure. it should be said. Well, you know, leisure. we speak we speak broken English in America because um, yeah, you know, with the whole history of America being it's it's actually a British colony originally, um, but I learned a few different things, like even in um Canada where they speak what they call the Queen's English, so they say yeah. um, we say uh, like we'll say I'm trying to think of a word, um produce they say a produce like mm. everything oh, yeah like that's like pro like produce instead of like produce mm. like you know what I'm saying? like so everything that they that they say is like a little tweak on it so leisure instead of leisure but we take the easy yeah. way in america because a lot of stuff that we say doesn't really make any sense phonetically absolutely oh, there's a bunch of words like that yeah yeah, yeah. but that's the american way Shout out to all the earners. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Scarlett too. Shout out to Scarlett, our yes. UK uh, earner. Yes. Shout out to Scarlett. She's been yes. helping out. So once again, Patricia, thank you. Appreciate you. you. Uh, no worries. Shout out to everybody in the UK. Get your tickets. Invest Fest London coming Halloween weekend. I'm uh, excited. A, a, a weekend to remember for sure. And uh, we will tap in. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.